listening to Diverse City Podcast. Please stay tuned to hear a powerful word. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church. Or to text to give, text DIVERSE to 73256. Thank you for listening and enjoy the word. Praise the team. Y'all sounding good today. Yes, Lord. And the dance team, Lord have mercy. I may, I may need a set of sticks just for my sermon. I just, I just feel like I, if someone get me a set of sticks, just put it there. I may have to use them in the next 15 minutes because y'all had me really hyped. And then also to uh, Lindell and, and Christina, welcome to the family again. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm excited to see your faces here as we continue to get into God's Word. If you could, stand to your feet and locate 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And we're going to read from the Good News Translation. Again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And we're going to read from the Good News Translation. Feel free to read it from your own version, and in a few moments, we will bring it up on the screen. Amen. Whenever you're ready. All right. So before we get started, let me not forget to all of our um, guests that are joining us online, uh, please put new in the comments. Please like and share. Let's continue to do our part for free to share positivity, hope, and change into the community. Shout out to Kyra. Hello, it's been a while. Your first post-quarantine experience. Welcome back to Diverse City. We love you. And Paul, where's he at? Where did Paul go? Come on, welcome back, brother. Yes. Anybody else? First time here. All right, good, good, good. All right, here we go. One, two, three, let's read. May the God who gives us peace make you holy in every way and keep you a whole being, spirit, soul, and body free from every fault at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated in this place. Man, I love this scripture. This is what freedom is all about. When God promises us freedom. It's not just something for our spirit, but God wants to give us freedom in our spirit, in our soul, in our body. Come on, say it with me. I am free. free. Look to your neighbor and say, you are free. free. Look to your other neighbor and say, I'll help you get free. And all together say, we are free. Amen. So here we are, part number four of the Freedom Series. We're covering every area and every aspect of freedom. Uh, This is a exciting time for us to get here. Uh, Many of us have a certain degree of freedom. And my challenge for you is that if you are free, to stay free or continue to learn the things that we are sharing to obtain freedom. You can go to the next one real quick. So Freedom Recap, just to make sure everyone's caught up, here's six points we're going to go through. I got the first through on the slide. Uh, In Freedom Part 1, we discussed that freedom is available. 
but it starts with choices. And our choices can get us in bondage or our choices can get us free. But the power is ours. It all goes back to the Garden of Eden that he gave Adam and Eve choices. And based on their decisions, the, the power of sin, our bondages that we've struggled with, being born into sin, being shaped into iniquity, all started in the Garden of Eden because of bad choices. But I have good news. Jesus came. He died on the cross and lived a perfect and sinless life so that we are able to receive him, that we're able to retain and get total and complete freedom. Then, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about freedom coming from two perspectives. One, you have to be free from, and then second, you have to be free to. That we are free from the bondage of sin. We are free to be able to have every promise of God. We're free to be able to live out our purpose. Not that we have to be perfect, but if we continue to try. A righteous man falls seven times, but it's the ones that are able to get back up, to continue to go, to be able to have freedom. And then when we receive freedom, it doesn't mean that drama goes away. Freedom equips us to handle the drama. Freedom equips us to be able to handle the storm. Freedom empowers us to be able to persevere where others are falling back. Freedom empowers us is that we can all experience the same situation, but if you're walking with Christ, if you're experiencing freedom, you can overcome because we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our what? Testimony. A few Bible readers in the house today. All right. And then last week, we started to talk about having freedom in our mind and looking at the children of Israel because it's not enough for us to get out of Egypt, but we have to get Egypt out of us. Our tendencies, our choices, we make decisions from a place of bondage, and we have to be able to let go of Egypt. And before we get into the promised land, when we walk into our place of abundance, we all have to go through the wilderness. And so in the wilderness, God gives us more choices. We have a choice to wander or we're able to pick up wisdom to be able to advance and move forward. So as we looked at Exodus last week, we're going to move on and kind of take a different page at it, looking from the book of Numbers. Say Numbers. So Numbers, it's a book in the Bible. I would summarize it as a census when they take an account of how many people are a part of the children of Israel. But then there's also a big principle about numbers being a road trip. This is God's road trip from Egypt to Mount Sinai to other parts of the wilderness on their way to Canaan. Numbers covers the second year and all the way up to 40 years of being in the wilderness. So when we get to, to Numbers, Exodus talks about being free from. We go through Leviticus, as Pastor Drew shared, um, during tithes and offering. But when we get to Numbers, these are God's final steps, God's final levels of preparation to help us get into the promised land. 
He tests our obedience to see if we will follow the cloud by day and follow the pillar of fire by night. And God shows, as we get to um, Numbers chapter 13, God says, I am going to give you a glimpse of your purpose. I am going to give you a glimpse of the promised land. I want you to see, I want it to stir up your appetite, I want you to get motivated, I want you to be able to follow me and see how bad Egypt was and how you've been hanging on with just enough in the wilderness to give you a glimpse of more than enough. So when we open to Numbers chapter 13, if you can go to verse number 27, here it is, they've got a glimpse They've been able to see what the promised land has looked like. They have sent 12 representatives to go into on the road trip to go see and inspect the land. To go and see if God said it's actually really there. Am I the only other person that God has told you some things in your spirit? God has showed you some stuff in your dreams. And you kind of doubt if it's actually even possible. You kind of doubt that, nah, he can't use me. He must be forgot my mistakes. He forgot where I come from. He forgot what I was doing last night. He forgot where I wanted to be this morning, but I decided to come to church. And he goes and allows them to survey the land. And so in verse 27, here's the report. They gave Moses this account. They went into the land which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here it is. They came in carrying the grapes as big as my big head. Bigger than my big head. They came in showing the milk, vegan milk, honey from real honey. And they was like, yo, it's true. It's even better than what we expected. But then we get to verse number 28. But the people who lived there powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large, because it can't be large. They are very large. And we even saw the descendants of Achan there. So God has given them a glimpse. He showed them, just as he's promised, the field report is accurate. The scouting report is exactly what they said. But instead of focusing on the promise, now they're focused on the opposition. Here we go again. More frustration, more complaining, more grumbling. I thought we just did that in Exodus. Nope. Because Egypt, their mind has not been renewed. Point number one, if you want to possess the land, if you want to be free, you have to remove your filters. All right, let's go ahead and start here. Jordan, can I get you to the stage real quick? Filters. God showed me there are five filters that we got to deal with in the wilderness. If not, we're going to have trouble. Filter number one for the people of God is that you are two-faced. Now, don't pause for effect. When you're saved on Sundays, won't he do it? Hallelujah. Waymaker. He got to make a lot of ways for me. 
because on Monday, ha, on Tuesday, I'm running dry, and I ain't filled up. I don't have Angie. I don't have Pastor Mike. And God is saying, if you want to get in the promised land, you can't be two-faced. What you gonna, who are you going to roll with? Are you with God, or are you worried about the Giants? Are you with the Cardinals, or are you with the Cubs? One side, you can't go both. Are you with the Blues, or are you with the Bruins? Pick the left. Two-faced. That filter that you can put it on and that you could take it off. And the Bible clearly says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And what happens when we get two-faced, we start living by our feelings. And I'm not saying to minimize them, but you got to take the keys away. you got to take the steering wheel away from your feelings. Your feelings can be in the car, but it can't drive. If your feelings continues to drive, you're going to be two-faced. If we could be really honest, I've seen some of your posts. You can think yourself into depression. Nobody ain't got to say nothing. Your thoughts, you're battling with Egypt. You're thinking, God, giants, God, giants. And God's saying, roll with me. I've already showed you. If he knew what the promised land looked like, he also knew what the giants looked like as well. Filter number two. Filter number two, if you want to enter the promised land, you got to stop clowning. God is saying if you want to be free in this season right now, no more games. You got to grow up. I will pause for effect. You're clowning. You're talking about how it used to be in high school. You're 50. Games. When you're talking more about the past than the future. Games, you're clowning. It works when you're 30 because everybody's going to be a millionaire when you're 30. And it sounds great. And you don't want to go to school. You don't want to work a business. You don't want to serve in church. You are clowning. And if we can really be honest, everything is growing or is dying. Period. And if you don't fertilize it, if you don't take care of it, if you don't make a commitment, if you're not intentional, if you're not willing to make an investment, and we can continue to blame others, and you have given them the power. And God has said, stop clowning and take it back. So what does that look like? The wishbone must go away, and God is going to give you a backbone. When you're clowning, at the end of the day, jokes are on you. Filter number three. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just thought I was going to lose some attention. Let's just get right to it. Filter number three. Money. While most of us are struggling between God or the giants, my boy focus on the grapes. You don't care what it takes if the grapes are good enough. Selling out on your family, selling out on your friends will skip church every Sunday if the grapes are big enough. Your filter, seeing through the lens, you're out of purpose. You're frustrated and you're tired. And you're saying, won't he do it? And you're happy about gaining stuff. Or, or... 
You're spending money you don't have to impress people that don't even care. And your debt is robbing you of options. And if you're free, you got options. If you don't have options, you're not free. Yes, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that money answers all things. But if you're free, you got to choose purpose. You got to choose peace over trying to make a profit. I ain't getting no amens. It is okay. It is tight, but it's right. It's true. Filter number four. Uh Uh-oh, put your seatbelt on for this one. Oh, man. Political beliefs. Everything you see has to be filtered through your affiliation. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying it's not important. But if you think your level of freedom is based on what happens in November, you're focused on the giants and not on God. So, so, and how is that revealed? How is that shown when you're focused on posting, on sharing, and encouraging policies or positivity versus focusing on politics? You're trying to convince someone with a post. I'm just going to keep coming. I know it. I see it. I read it. Political affiliation. And it's become your filter. Is it right? Is it biblical? Are you trying to make a point? Filter number five. And this is one I know we got many. This is the hat I like to put on. The filter of being in charge. You're the captain. And you want to control everything. And if there's any lesson that we've all learned in 2020 is that we don't control Jack. And God is saying, you can't be the pilot. I've called you to be the flight attendant. I've called you to serve. And you're still kind of control everything. And I know it's an oxymoron, but if you want to be free, you have to lose control. You have to walk by faith and not by sight. And if we can really be honest, my mentor told me this, and I had to go sit down. He said, your best thinking got you to where you are right now. I said, ooh, my best thinking got me to where I am right now because I was trying to be the captain and I was trying to run things and be in control. And we have to be able to remove our filters because our filters make us see fear over faith. Our filters make us see opposition versus the opportunity. And if we want to reach freedom, we have to remove our filters. Amen. Thank you, Jordan. You can leave those right. You can keep it, but you can leave those right down. In the wilderness, why does it still go on from Exodus to Leviticus to Numbers until 10 of them are infected with negativity because they have not gotten Egypt out of them? They're still walking with their filters. Only Joshua, only Caleb have removed their filters. But the rest are still tripping. 
that we forget, Jeremiah 1.5, that before God formed you in the womb, he knew you. He knew me. He ordained you to be a prophet, to be a teacher, to be a dancer, to serve in ministry, to serve the nations. And we fail because we trip on the things that we think we know. We fail. How can I say this? People fail in life because they don't know what they don't know, and they think they know what they don't know. Again, people fail in life because they don't know what they don't know, and they're hard-headed because they think they know. Filters. And it's one thing to understand that you don't know, and you're willing to reach, and you're willing to get help about how to navigate and how to be able to possess the land. But check. There we go. The worst thing is when we think we know, and we're wondering, and we're missing out on opportunities to collect and receive God's wisdom. So when we go on to verse number 30, check this out. So they've given this negative report, and in verse number 30 it says, But Caleb tried to quiet the people. He was courageous, but his opinion was not contagious. The people, they stood before Moses, let us go at once to take the land. He said, we can, we can certainly conquer it. Caleb is trying to make a change. Caleb is ready to hit the promised land. But the men, in verse number 31, but the men who had gone up with him and said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Verse number 32, and it says, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report. God has showed them the good report. He has over-delivered on the things that he said he would do about going into the land. And he said, the land, where is it? Verse number three, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. Comparison is the thief of all joy, hope, and peace. When we try to compare, when we're worried about what this person is doing, when we're comparing about their pictures and their place in life. Point number two, the most powerful opinion in your life is your opinion of yourself. Not the giant's opinion, not the pastor's opinion, not your spouse's opinion, not your kid's opinion, not even what God's opinion is. Because here's the thing if you're trying to figure out if you're struggling with freedom. Because most of us can agree. We agree that God is the God of John 3.16, right? If not, we wouldn't even be here. But do you believe that he's an Ephesians 3.20 God? Do you believe in Proverbs chapter 3 when we have to trust the Lord with all our heart? Do you believe that he will bless the work of your hands? Or your conviction is not the same as you believe in John 3.16. And if you don't believe it within yourself, we place limits on ourselves. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 23, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Today we're talking about your heart, your soul, 
What is in your heart? What is in your heart? Do you believe it? Their opinion doesn't matter if you don't believe it. God's opinion of you doesn't matter if you don't believe it. The Son, Jesus, have come to set us free, and we are free indeed. God says you are forgiven. God says you are chosen. God says you are free. But if you don't believe it, you won't experience it. You will watch it, and you will wonder, but you can experience it because the most powerful opinion in your life is the opinion of yourself. When we wake up in the morning, when we look into the mirror, what do you think about yourself? Do you get mad? Do you get upset? Do you immediately go to your imperfections, the things you want to change? Or is it coming from a place and a heart of gratitude, of hope, that God hasn't brought me this far to leave me in the wilderness? And that's where we have to be able to counteract. That's where we have to be able to challenge doubt. Because doubters will mock people that walk in faith. Faith is not blind to the giants, but faith can see beyond the giants and see the promised land and remember what God has told them and understand that freedom will come without a fight. To whom much is given, much is required. Anybody else besides me that are willing to fight for their freedom? I'm looking. Who's not clapping? And then in verse number 33, this is when I just had to close my Bible for five minutes. Because it gets worse. And he says, we saw the Nephilim there the descendants of Achan come from Nephilim, and we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Did they talk to the giants? Did they go have a conversation? See, when you're walking in bondage, you start to exaggerate. This is why it's so important for us to understand to commit to figuring out what our purpose is, why is our purpose, because now you're measuring yourself up against the next person, whether it's because of your age, whether it's because of the amount of money they have, and we begin to see things. Grasshoppers, I looked in the Bible, the only time grasshoppers was mentioned before this is in Leviticus when it said you can, you know, eat a little bit, Angie. It's kind of like sushi, just saying. Grasshoppers. Out of all of the things that have been said, that you can be a father of many nations, that I will bless the works of your hand, they have come to the point on their way to freedom to see themselves as grasshoppers. And it's because we be created giants and we've created idols and images, whether it's celebrities, whether it's those that are in power, and we look at them and say, dang, they're killing it. And when we do that, we also minimize where we are. What do you see? What do you feel? That's why the Bible tells us, point number three, we have to be able to renew our focus. It can't just be a one-time thing. It can't just be a Sunday thing. 
you can't do that. If not, you're going to choose the familiar over freedom. And if we can really be honest, if I don't have intentionality, we can cling to bondage because it feels good. And it's comfortable. And we forget what we should remember. And we remember what we should forget. And God is saying, get your eyes off the giants. Get your eyes off the people. But look up to the hills where it cometh your help. My help cometh from the Lord. So we have to, as one body, stop telling God how big your problems is, but start telling your problems how big your God is. Stop telling God how big your problems is, but start telling your problems how big God is. Numbers 14. And it doesn't stop, and it keeps going. When we get into verse number one, it says, check this out, all night long, not just for an hour, not just for a few minutes, all night long, the people cried out in distress and they complained against Moses and Aaron and said, it would have been better to die in Egypt or even here in the wilderness all night long. Nobody's fasting. Nobody's trying to build a strategic strategy to how to get free, but they're wasting, point number four, they're wasting their energy. Verse number three, it says, while the Lord brings us to the land only to let us fall by the sword. Look how they're tripping because they're thinking themselves into depression. God did this. He did us out. He brought us all the way out here. We've been traveling for two, three, four, five years, and he just want to come and make an ashamed of He want to embarrass us to just die by the sword. Even our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Where is the place in your life that you still want to go back to? that you still think is better, that it's still comfortable, that you've thought and you've woken up in the middle of the night all night long. If you want to be free, point number four, you have to manage your energy. Nobody's praying. Nobody's calling out to God, but they're up all night complaining. They're focusing on trying to go back and God is saying, if you just put that same energy into move forward, if you put that same energy to get out of debt versus trying to get the next thing, if you put that same energy to make your marriage better, you won't have to get a divorce. If you put that same energy, I can reconcile your household, but you're wasting your time crying and complaining. Where your focus goes, energy flows. What are you focused on? What are you looking at? What are you spending your time on? Because energy cannot be recouped or time. Manage your energy. See, when the present gets hard, we can't long for the past, but we got to hope for the future. And if we can really be honest, if we go through life walking backwards, you're going to fall, you're going to trip. And you're moving, 
But sooner or later, you're going to hit an edge. And you're mismanaging your energy. I love the way Paul said, and I think it's in Philippians chapter 4, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things that are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any praiseworthy, meditate on these things because you have to manage your energy. Every day, there's going to be things that try to drain your energy. But if you don't target your energy, if you don't meditate on these things, because what we meditate on begins to magnify. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let's exalt his name together. Psalms chapter 1, blesses the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, standeth in the way of the sinner, sit in the seat of the unscornful. But in his law, what does he do? He meditates. When? Day and night, because we all love verse number three, that we can be a tree planted by the rivers of water, and whatever we do, we can prosper. That is a life of freedom, but it begins with meditation. It begins when we get things out of our head, when we get negative thoughts. I know it's not easy. You have to be able to bounce it. That's why we got to study. That's why we got to read. And we have to sometimes when we don't feel like it, we have to command our soul to bless the Lord because he is worthy, church. He is worthy of the glory. He is worthy of the honor. And I want to possess the land. So what are you saying? That it's not enough to pray right and think wrong. It's not enough to pray wrong and think right. But to be free, you got to pray right and you got to think right. To get free, you got to pray right and you got to think right. And so we go on and see the arguing and the churn between Moses trying to help them out, trying to convince them that you are free, trying to convince them that God's promises is still ahead. And they're ready to kick Moses out. They're ready to overthrow him. They're ready to throw Moses and send them back to Egypt. And they want to go with him. They're ready to appoint another leader. And then when we read in verse number 23, it says this. You can bring that up. None of those who treat me with contempt will see it. This is God speaking. He said, all right, you want to forfeit my perfect will for you? I'll give you the permissive will. None of those people that want to treat me with contempt will see the promised land. None of them will experience it. But because... My servant, Caleb, has a different attitude and has wholeheartedly followed me. I will bring him into the land he already explored, and his descendants will possess it. Point number five, freedom requires correction. Praise team, y'all can come up. Correction. In this age of the church, we don't like to talk about correction, right? We probably grew up in the age of correction, the age of turn and burn, get left or get right. 
You can't wear jeans in church. You can't do all of these things. You got to wear a three-piece suit or you're not holy. All of these things. And then we went into the name it and claim it. And now, or we've been in the grace age that anything goes. And I'm telling you, that will get you in the kingdom. But you will not have heaven on earth without correction. Correction. I did not say judgment. Correction doesn't only come from God, but it can come from leaders. It can come from friends to be able to help you get in alignment so you can remain on target for your assignment. Not judgment, because judgment is when you render a verdict and you form an opinion and you make a conclusion. We don't judge a place of no conditions, no judgment, just love. But we are a place of correction. We are a place of correction. So what is correction? It is making an observation. And I'm suggesting a change to rectify an error. In the Bible, it also talks about to bring back a just standard. So when I tell you or somebody tells you that you're wrong, that doesn't mean you're a wrong person, but that means you need correction. See, on Wednesday, I'm taking a road trip going to Florida, getting ready to go see um, family and to officiate my grandmother's wedding or funeral. Sorry, I'm tripping. And I've been in St. Louis for three years, and I still probably use Google to get to most places besides the gym, church, and my wife's job. And correction, on Wednesday morning when I leave at 4, I can take 55 north, and I can drive as fast as I want, maybe 100, maybe 150, and I'm still going the wrong way. Correction, whether it's from the GPS or my dad. Correction means you got to turn around. No, I want to go this way. I feel it in my spirit. Go north or go west. And it's wrong. And I'm not getting free. I'm going back to Egypt. Because to go to Florida, you got to go southwest. And if we look at the car... We can lose hours and we can lose mileage. But in our walk with him, we lose life and we lose years if we're not willing to get a correction, if we're not willing to do a U-turn, if we're not willing to repent. And maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's pride that you have to get over because pride is more committed with you being right versus doing right. Pride is more committed with being right versus doing right. And God wants to give you correction to get back in alignment with the things he has called you to do. I love the way Albert Einstein said it. He said, you cannot solve your problems with the same thinking you use to create them. Renew your mind. Renew your focus. If you want to be free, you got to remove the filters. If you want to be free, 
you got to manage your energy. If you want to be free, it's going to require correction. Stand to your feet, church. And when you get free, here's been my prayer for you all of this week, just as we started with 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May the God who gives you peace make you holy in every way and keep your whole being, your spirit, your soul, and your body free from every fault at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will ask you right now to just take a few moments to open up your heart and ask God, where am I tripping at? God, what, what filter am I wearing? Yes, it's mandatory to wear masks. Now we can all see them, but some of us have been wearing masks for five years, for 10 years. And whether you take off your physical mask, you're not, you're in 95. Are you clowning? Are you willing to give up being captain? Are you willing to stop seeing and making decisions only for money? God wants to get you free, but we got to follow his blueprint. We got to follow his plan and his purpose. And while it's not promised to be easy, you will make it. It is worth it. Can anybody attest that following God is worth it in this place? There is freedom. It is available. And if you serve him with all your heart, with all your mind, and your spirit, you're going to see that he's a way maker. You're going to see that he's a promise keeper. You're going to see that he can be Jehovah Jireh, that he could be Jehovah Rapha, that he's able to show up and to show out. And while you feel alone, this is not the time to complain and grumble, but to be humble and to have an attitude of gratitude. Just like Caleb and Joseph, or Joshua, God is raising up people in this time with a different spirit, with a different attitude that is willing to say, for as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I will experience God's best, and I will be used by him to be a testimony. I will be used by him to be a witness that I will not bring darkness, but I will light up the world with positivity and with your goodness. And for who the Son has set free is free indeed. Can we get the praise team to sing? I'm going to ask you in this moment to talk to him. You don't need anybody to touch you, lay hands on you, or the pastor to bring correction. But God is raising you up in this time to have a personal relationship with him. Come on.